Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Good morning. It's Easter Sunday. It's so good to have you uh, join us today for our Easter service. It's a little different for us doing things online still, but how many know the Word of God is going forth, and for that we are happy. So today, this morning, I want to talk about uh, Easter. I want to talk about the resurrection. What I want to answer are two important questions. How do you find freedom, number one, and the second one is how do you stay free? So how you find freedom and how you stay free. So we're living in a time right now where there's so many questions about what is freedom? What does freedom really look like? What is the truth? Pilate asked that question. He said, what is truth? And so today we're going to look at the Word of God. And we're going to start this morning uh, looking at Jesus on the cross. I want to, for a minute, try to pierce into his world and understand uh, what he was going through at the time uh, where he was being crucified. It says in Mark chapter 15, verse 25 to 32, we're going to read that together and see what God wants to say to us today. Father, I come to you today. I ask God that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would challenge us and that you would open our eyes, God, so we'd be able to see you and know you as you truly are. And all of God's people said, Amen. Mark chapter 15, verse 25, I'm reading here out of the New King James Version. It says, Now it was the third hour, and they crucified Jesus. And the inscription of his accusation was written above, which said, The King of the Jews. Now that was actually true. Jesus was actually the King of the Jews. He was the promised Messiah. But they were saying that he was claiming to be the king of the Jews and that he was lying. And that was the accusation that he was claiming to be someone he wasn't. I I, I want you to understand this, that just as his accusation was above him on the cross, we have accusations against us. Maybe you've been falsely accused for doing something that you never did. Uh, There's accusations that have been flying around your life and around my life. One of the accusations actually that is true is the Bible says, for all have sinned, all have fallen short of God's standard. We've all made mistakes. We've all violated our conscience at some point where we knew we were to do one thing and we did another. The Bible says all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's holy standard. Well, God loves us so much that he wants to make a way available or he has made a way available for us to come into a relationship with him this is so important that we understand this but jesus knows what it's like to be accused you say pastor i've been accused all my life i've had this thing follow me all my life i want you to know this and jesus understands he understands what it means to be accused Let's read on here what the Bible says in verse 27. And with Jesus, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right side and one on his left side. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. 
Verse 29, And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, you who destroyed the temple and, and built it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Verse 29 tells us that not only was there accusation above Jesus, the people blasphemed him. You know, the word blaspheme actually means great disrespect, shown to God or to something that's holy. And they were blaspheming Jesus. They were accusing Jesus. And the word holy, all that means is set apart or sacred. God is supposed to be to us sacred. He's supposed to be something that's set apart that is precious to us. His name should never be used as a curse word. His name should never be used lightly. He, he is set apart. He's precious. He should be precious to us as people. But I want to say this, that God says that his children, those who call upon his name, they're precious. They're holy in his sight. And before I move on with this message, um, I want you to know this, that right now there's persecution that's going on around the world. Our brothers and sisters in Christ in different places in the world are under heavy persecution. One in every nine Christians in the world live in an area or a culture in which Christianity is either illegal, it's forbidden, or it's punished. Okay, um, according to the latest report on global persecution by Open Doors USA, that's a 14% increase over the previous year. So these are 2019 statistics. From 2018 to 2019, uh, there was a 14% increase in persecution. During the World Watch List 2019 reporting period, in the top 50 countries, a total of 1,266 churches or Christian buildings were attacked by people, by other groups. 2,635 Christians were detained without trial, uh, arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned. That's a lot. And 4,136 Christians were killed for faith-related reasons. So on average, that's 11 Christians killed every day for their faith. So people who believe in Jesus will suffer persecution. And so we need to be praying for that which God calls holy, that which God calls set apart. We need to be praying for the persecuted church. So Jesus was accused, and then he was blasphemed. Let's keep reading. Verse 31. Likewise, the chief priests also mocked among themselves with the scribes, and they said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and we can believe. You know, and then it goes to say, Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Verse 31 is interesting because the Bible here says the religious leaders actually mocked him. The word mocked means to tease or to laugh at in a scornful or a contemptuous way. Who, who, who wants to be mocked? Jesus was mocked on the cross. 
And then it also says that those who were crucified with him, they reviled him. The word revile means to criticize in an abusive or angry, insulting manner. All right? And so Jesus was shown great disrespect. He was teased and laughed at in a scornful way. He was criticized in an angry and an abusive manner. All this while, he was enduring the physical torture of the cross. And I say all that to say this, that Jesus spent his life loving people, healing people, feeding the poor, and explaining the Father's kingdom and the Father's love to people. And what does he get? He gets nailed to a cross, which is very physically painful, but then he had to deal with the shame and the humiliation and the disrespect. And here's the thing. We do not have a God who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses because he was in all ways tempted just as we are tempted. You see, Jesus could have fought back and Jesus could have came off that cross and Jesus could have called angels to deliver him because he was fully God and fully man. But in the midst of being persecuted, in the midst of being torn apart, and humiliated, he turned to the Father and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And so here's the good news. You say, Pastor, you don't understand my life. You don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand the accusations and the rejection. You don't understand how I've been hurt. You don't understand how people have insulted me. You don't understand that when I was, I was violated. You don't, you don't understand. And the answer is, you're right. I don't understand. I don't know your story, but I know one who does. And I know Jesus, he experienced it. He experienced it all. What happened that suddenly the people would turn and want to crucify Jesus? And, and it's interesting to understand, we, we, first of all, we need to understand that there's a spiritual dimension, there's a spirit realm. It's more real than the realm we're living in now. It's, it's the unseen realm where there's angels and demons and uh, there's a spiritual force that works in those realms that we can't see with our eyes. And so many people say, if I can't see it, I can't believe it. Well, you know, right now there's Wi-Fi that comes to your devices, your cell phones and your computers that would bring invisible images and, and, and bring it into your devices. There's stuff we can't see that is actually happening even in this dimension. But there is a spirit dimension that we cannot see. It's an invisible realm that's constantly communicating with people. All right. The enemy wants to send thoughts into the minds of people. And at that time, the thoughts were, we need to kill Jesus. You need to crucify Jesus. Satan and his minions blindfold people from the truth. And here I have this little blindfold. And I'm going to put it on. But I'm going to leave it up on my forehead so I can read. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4 says this, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. So their eyes aren't blinded, but their minds are blinded. The veil is over my forehead. 
Okay? Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, would shine upon them. Okay? So we need to understand there's an invisible kingdom that wants to blind us, blind our understanding from the truth. And it's this simple that only the Holy Spirit of God can lift this veil so that we can understand the truth. In the next passage that I'm about to read, the Apostle Paul speaking to Jewish people who have rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Okay? They've rejected Jesus as the Savior. But this passage not only applies to the Jewish people, it also applies to us. I want you to see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14 to 17. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever they read the Old Testament okay, of the Bible, when it's being read, the same veil okay, covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. They cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writing, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil is taken away when they turn their hearts to the Lord. For the Lord, here's the thing, is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I want to tell you today, God wants you to be free from depression. God wants you to be free from anxiety. God wants you to be free from fear. And most importantly, He wants you to be free from sin. He wants you to be free from uh, sin because sin is like darkness. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. All right? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I believe towards the end of this message, I want to pray that you would be able to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that this blindfold over your mind will be removed. It's only removed by the Holy Spirit when you choose to look at Jesus and say, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And then that veil is removed. You know, sin is like darkness. Sin is like darkness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, For God who said, Let there be light in darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts. God's light begins to shine in our heart. Not our pumping organ, but the heart, the deepest core of who you are. Your, God's light begins to shine so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. When we look to Jesus, when we read the Gospels and we see Jesus' love, his, his, how He shows us the Father's compassion, as we look unto Jesus, uh, the light begins to shine in our heart, all right? And the veil is done away with in our life. The pastor, you don't understand the darkness. No, but Jesus does. Jesus understands the darkness. I like what Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3 to 5 says. He was despised and rejected by man. Have you been de despised and rejected? 
he can sympathize with you. He was no stranger to suffering or grief. Have you ever suffered? Have you ever had grief in your life? He wasn't a stranger to it. We hid our faces from him in disgust and considered him a nobody not worthy of respect. This is the ancient prophet Isaiah saying, and he says in verse 4, Yet he was the one who carried our sicknesses, and he endured the torment of our sufferings. We viewed him as one who was being punished for something he himself had done wrong, as one who had struck, was struck down by God and brought low. But you know what was really happening? Isaiah tells us, But it was because of our rebellious deeds that he was pierced. And because of our sins that he was crushed. He endured the punishment that made us completely whole. And in his woundings, we found our healing. Isn't that good news today? That Jesus, by his stripes, by his wounds, we are made heal. You know, the question is, many of us, have asked the question, how could Jesus have endured all the physical torture? How could he endure all the humiliation? Again, let's go to Scripture and see what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us. I'm reading it out of the Passion Translation. And who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. And now he sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm going to repeat that. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross. He endured the agony of the cross because he knew that through his suffering, you could have a relationship with him. That the enemy's blindfold would be torn off of your eyes so that you could see and you could know him and have a relationship with him. The Bible goes to teach us, if we go back to the Gospel of Mark, that Jesus died and he rose on the third day. That's what we're celebrating today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the reason why he was risen is because, as the old saying goes, you can't hold a good man down. And there's actually true, that's actually a true spiritual principle. All right? Acts chapter 2, verse 24 says that it was impossible for Jesus to be held by death. Well, how, how is that possible, Pastor? Well, the Bible says the wages or the payment for sin is death. Well, Jesus never sinned. Jesus was obedient to his Father. So sin had no control or power over him. And he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he made it possible for us to raise in newness of life and to have eternal life. When we die physically, we can have eternal life with Him in heaven. Isn't that wonderful news? In Jesus comes eternal life. In Jesus comes 
eternal life. I grew up in a home where the Bible was read and taught. I grew up in a home where I was going to church Sunday after Sunday. But when I was 21 years of age, I surrendered. And when I surrendered, the veil was removed. And I entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, when you're in darkness, sometimes you get up in the middle of the night and you're walking through your house and it's dark and it's uncomfortable because you could slip on something, you could bump into something, um, especially if you're in an area that, or home that you've never been in, it's, it's uncomfortable. When you have Christ and the light comes on, there's comfort, there's peace. You can see clearly what's down the road. God is so faithful. We spoke about God removing a veil, but let's talk about the danger of Christians putting on a different veil and being deceived into putting on a different veil. See, let's, let's look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul is speaking to the Galatians. He says, I'm shocked at how quickly you have strayed away from the anointed one, being Jesus, who called you to himself by loving mercy. I'm frankly astonished that you now embrace a distorted gospel. This is a fake gospel that is simply not true. There's only one gospel, the gospel of the Messiah. Yet you have allowed those who mingle the law and grace to confuse you with lies. Salvation is not gained through observing rituals. Salvation is not gained through certain religious practices. Salvation is gained through putting our faith in Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross. That He died on the cross for my sins. It's a free gift and I can receive it from Him. Listen, here's the key. As Christians, we have to continue to walk the same way we entered. We entered by faith in the finished work of the cross. Now we have to walk out our salvation through putting our faith in His help and His support in this Christian walk. Amen? We have to put our faith in what Jesus has done for us. Okay? These people here, the Galatians, were trying to follow the rules of the religious instead of having faith in Jesus Christ. They started taking some of the rules of Judaism and some of the oral traditions and began to say, well, we have to do this. So, so it's salvation that we understand we're saved by faith in Jesus, but then we have to do this, this, and this, and this, or we're not really saved. Well, that's not true. We're saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ. And the works we do are works that were prepared by God for us to walk in. Does that make sense? All right. And so what did Paul say to the Galatians? What did he say to them? Well, let's look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Therefore... He who supplies the Holy Spirit to you and he who works miracles among you. This is a question he's asking. Does he do it by the works of the law or does he do it by the hearing of faith? The evidence of true faith is not in what we do, but it's rather found in what he gives and our willingness to receive it and to walk in it let's refuse as christians to put on a veil of religion because if we do we might just fall into the ditch 
Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and he said, hey, you guys, it's like your hearts are far from me. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are somewhere else. You know, it's all about your rules and your regulations and your traditions and your oral traditions, but you don't love me. You don't have a relationship with my father. He was talking to the religious Pharisees and Jesus said, forget them, ignore those people because they're like blind guides leading the blind and they're both going to fall into a ditch. Well, you know what? The purpose of a ditch is to um, is for drainage. And religion will drain you. If you just get caught up in religious works and you get caught up in striving, striving to please God, then, then your life, it's, it's just going to drain you. It's going to drain you of the energy that God wants you to have by just being like a child and accepting the finished work of the cross. Father, today I come before you. I pray for all Christians that are hearing this message, God. I pray that they will not pick up a religious spirit in this time. But Lord, that they would pick up an intimate relationship with you, God, that they would strive only to enter into rest because of the finished work that you did on the cross. And Father, right now I pray for those who are listening to this message, God, that have never had a relationship with you. And I want to say this, if you're in this place, or not in this place because it's just me and the camera, but if you're hearing this message um, and you don't know Jesus and you feel like this and you feel like there's darkness around you, in fact, it's not your eyes, again, it's your understanding has been darkened. I want you to know that if you choose today to put your faith, not in a God that's untouchable or unknowing, but a God who was accused falsely, who was rejected, who was humiliated, and who was tortured. A God who understands your pain because he felt it himself. A God who subjected himself to a fallen world. He knows what you're going through and he wants to take you through it. Jesus wants to forgive you for your sins. He wants to rip the blindfold off of your head. He wants you to be able to know him. He is calling out to you right now. And so if you're listening to this, you say, I don't fully understand it, but something's clicking and there's some truth that's being shared right now. I want you to click on the button that there's a little button there that we've set up and it, it's to respond. If you want to respond to that little button, we will, we will pray with you and we will connect with you. Amen. So let's pray together. If you want to respond, click on the button and let's pray. Say, Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I recognize that I have sinned, but I want you to wash my sins away. I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and I ask you to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed a prayer like that, and if you've called upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would come into the hearts of those who've prayed that prayer right now and transform them and change them and, and let them know that you're with them now and that their sins are forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. In regards to everyone else, Lord, 
that has heard this, that already identifies as a follower of Christ, a Christian. Lord, I just pray that in this season, we're going to draw so close to you, God. We're not falling in ditches. We're walking down the highway of wholeness, the highway of holiness. For without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And God, I thank you, Father, that relationships are being strengthened. Um, God with man, in our relationship with God, that's being strengthened, but also our relationship with our family and our friends, God, and other believers, God. You're strengthening those relationships, even though we're distant from one another physically, that we're connecting with one another. We're calling each other. We're praying for one another. Your word says, God, not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together. So we're assembling in spirit. We're calling. We're connecting on Zoom. We're connecting your people, God. And I thank you, Father, that you're letting your power and your spirit move in every home that is hearing this message right now. We pray for angelic activity. We pray for miracles. We pray for signs, wonders, and miracles to be released upon your people. In Jesus' name, God, and I thank you that the fire is flowing. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. Well, listen, it was great to have this message with you guys. Um, I pray it's an encouragement to you, and I look forward to Uh, connecting with some of you right after this service. We're going to be connecting on a Zoom call for prayer ministry. So if you responded to Christ for the first time, uh, you know, please feel free to come on to that call. We'd love to pray with you. If you're not comfortable doing that yet, that's fine. Uh, We'll connect with you as we go along. God bless you guys and have an amazing Easter. And remember to spend time loving on family. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.